It's not about me. It's all about you. It, that's not just words to a tune, and then we go out and live however we want and go after what we want. See, that's the frustration that many of us are grappling with is this insane level of dissatisfaction, disappointment, because we're living the wrong life. Where's all the promises of God? Well, wait a minute. To get the promises of God, you've got to do what He said. You've got to live His way. See, the enemy wants to rip from your grip your future, your family, your faith. Your future is not five years from now. It's five minutes from now. It's just moments from now. It's when you walk out the door. You come in here. This is, this is not a religious ceremony that we're going to to justify our nasty attitude last week. Hello. Some of us act like, you know, well, we go to church to make up for all the evil thoughts we have. You know, we're going to learn, we're going to learn good manners and how to turn the other cheek. Well, no, this is training for reigning. I'm going to go outside of this room and I'm going to demonstrate Satan's defeat. And I'm going to live a lifestyle that's a humiliation to hell. And if I don't, then I've just been wasting all them weekend Sunday mornings. Hello? I mean, if you're not going to walk in victory. Let's see, how do I put this? Because I don't want to be offensive. But yet, on the other hand, I don't really care. So i got to be careful. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you're going to live under the influence of something. I want to live under the influence of the Spirit. Under the influence of God's Word. But if you're not, if, if you're just going to hang around God's word and not live under the influence of it, that's stupid. That's a waste of time. You're going to end up bitter, angry. I know people have been to church their whole life, and they're just as miserable as people have been down at the tavern their whole life. No, you know, I, I just, I just don't have any desire at all to play church for a lot, a lot of years. No, I want to. I want to tap into the real power that Jesus came to connect me to, and I want to live that life. Somebody say Amen. Look at this, John ten ten. We know it, right? We can quote it. Who can quote it? That thief cometh not, but for to kill, steal, and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life, have it in abundance to the full, till it overflows. Just a couple of points I want to make here. Don't get infatuated with the gift and begin to forget about the giver of the gift. See, a lot of times we take the blessing of God and we're so celebratory about the blessing, we forget where the blessing came from. And then worse yet, when something bad happens in life and we lose something that we like, we get mad at the person who gave it to us. And forget that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I can't believe God took that from me. He gave it. The Bible says that all gifts, uh, every good and perfect gift, cometh down from the Father life. Right? We receive life from Him. He's not the taker of it. He's the giver of life. He's the guy that's got a hope and a future for you. But there, there's just, it just seems a little odd to me that we'd get mad at the giver of the gift instead of the one that's killed, stealing, destroying. Recognize who your enemy is. 
You know, when people come in for marriage counseling, they're mad at each other. You ought to be mad at the devil who's messing with your home, who's messing with your mind, who's stirring up that trouble. You need to understand who your enemy is. God is on your side. He came to give you life to the full till it overflows. Zoe life. We're talking about God life. Jesus came to connect you to really crazy good stuff. And then we get freaked out by some of the little things that happen in a realm that's not even the realm we're supposed to be living in. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Look at Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. In Him I have shared His crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, in the body I live by faith. In the Son of God. The life I now live. Everybody say that. The life I now live. Let's say it together. The life I now live. So one more time. The life I now live. In other words, the life I now live is different from the life I used to live. I'm in Christ now. I'm living Zoe life. Not not Yahweh life. Zoe life. Right? I'm living God life. It's a different life. The life I now live is different from the life I used to live. And when believers are fighting and struggling and trying to get some other thing, just like the rest of the world, listen, we're, we're, we're living the wrong life. Wrong life. Look at Matthew six twenty four. You should know this one by now. No man can serve two masters. Everybody say no man. So who can do it? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody can serve two masters. Can't do it. You can't. You cannot yield in obedience to. That's what the word serve means. You cannot yield in obedience to two different voices. Right? I like to amplify because when it gets down, it says you cannot serve God and mammon is not just deceitful riches, not just money, not just possessions, but it's whatever is trusted in. Whatever is trusted in. Mammon is a personality. It's, it's not just money. It's a, it's a mindset. It's a personality. It, it is a, you know, greed, lust. The, those, it is a spirit that is demonic in its origin. It has a voice that speaks to you in the night, that tries to get you to do what it wants you to do, to separate you from God's voice, so that you'll go after the wrong thing. It is the voice of the wrong life, where God is the voice of Zoe, Mammon is the voice of Yahweh. So let me say amen. You get it? See, it's... It's your life versus the life. Look at verse 25, Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I tell you, stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious, and worried about your life. Underline your life. See, we immediately go to anxious and worry and and all that. Wait, stop. Your life. See, that's the wrong one already. We're talking about God life. So anytime worry comes up, you're, you're being pulled out of Zoe into Yoe. 
There's spiritual laws at work. Spiritual laws, they can't be broken. You know, we get all, you know, all uh, heated up and, you know, going to talk about the theory of evolution. It's a theory. But the law of life and death, the law of life in Christ, the law is, those are laws. So I don't have to worry about stuff when I know the law. Hello? See, stop being uneasy about your life. Because you're living the wrong life. If you're worried about your life, you're already living the wrong life. Colossians 1. Colossians 1, verse 9. For this reason, we also, from the day we heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you might be filled with the full, deep, and clear knowledge of His will. We want to know His will, don't we? We want to know God's will in all spiritual wisdom, in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God, and an understanding and discernment of spiritual things. we got to get over into the spirit realm. We're going to walk in the spirit. Look at verse 10. That you might walk, live, and conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, and desiring to please Him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work, steadily growing and increasing in and by the knowledge of God. We are going to live a life that is fully pleasing to Him. To Him. We are trying to please God. We live a life cheerfully pleasing God. Right? Your life. With care and worry and anxiety and fear and unbelief, you can't please God there. Hebrews 11.6. We got that one? Did I get I think so. Hebrews 11.6. You know this one. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, what is faith? Faith is obedience to God. This is the true manifestation of faith when you do what He said regardless of consequence. When you when you're just trusting Jesus. When you seek first the kingdom of God and His way of doing and being right. When you do it God's way. First time God's way, that's faith. Trusting God, not putting confidence in anything else. Going to please God with my faith. With my obedience. Somebody said, I live to please God. Well, I don't know if we can do it. Second Peter 1.3 says that He has given us all things we need to live a life that pleases God. It was all given to us by God's own power. What was that power? Grace. Hey, we're, we're back with faith and grace. Grace is the power of God that enables you to do what He said. Remember, under the law, they had all of these hoops they were jumping through. And when it got too easy, they set the hoops on fire. Because you know, in the flesh, you can't please God. You can't do it. But God comes along, and in the new covenant, now we have grace. And to prove that grace, the empowerment agent that God's going to infuse you with, to prove that that grace is powerful, Jesus comes and He don't make it easier. He raises the standard. Hello? Well, you have said, but I say. You ever read those 
you know, Matthew chapter 5. Ever read those but I says? You, you say, don't commit adultery. But I say, don't even look at her and think the bad thought. He makes it harder. Well, wait a minute. I thought we were in grace. You realize that most of the time when people want to argue grace, they want to talk about how easy it is now. That nothing should matter because it's grace. Grace is the empowerment agent that enables you to do way more than what used to cause you to stumble before grace. So now, I am ready for and equal to anything that comes my way. Through Christ, who's infusing me with an inner strength. What is that? That's His grace. He is infusing me with the ability to say no when I used to say, hokey dokey. He is infusing me with the power to live a life that, that God looks at and says, that's my boy. When I used to look at the situation and say, I can't do that. He wants to infuse you with an insane power that has hell all upset. Somebody say, hell's mad at you. Look at your neighbor and tell him, hell's mad at you. Hell is mad at you. This one's the this one's the message. <laughs> it's really weird when you let me just read some of this to you from the message, okay? What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. Can anybody say amen? I tried. So I quit being a lawman. So I could be a God's man. I love that line. Christ's life showed me how. And enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely, completely with Him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not going to back to go back on that. Is it not clear to you that to go back to the old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God? I refuse to do that. We've worked our head off. But the problem is, is that we, we just didn't understand who we, who we are in Christ. We, we've tried to do all kinds of things. You know, man has three images. Man, I'm all over the place today. Man has three images. You have a perceived image, a projected image, and a true image. And the, the, remember when, when the voice spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And it's talking about Jesus. And, it, you know, God is saying, That's my child. I, he, he pleases me. At that point, what, he, what had he done? Nothing. He hadn't preached any messages, hadn't performed any miracles, hadn't, hadn't you know, to, that we know of. He didn't even lead the prayer meeting. But he, he was just who he was. And that should teach us something that it, 
What pleases God is when we're operating in our true image. What was the first thing the enemy did when he came against him? He said, if you're really the Son of God, it starts challenging his relationship with God. If you're really the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus says, you know what? I I don't do stuff because I can. I do stuff because I was told to. There's all kinds of stuff I could do. But I'm not going to do anything unless he says, because it's not obedience until he says to. Well, I know what he's going to say. Well, then why are you worried? Might as well hang out till he says it. This is what he's going to tell you to do. Well, until he does, I ain't doing it. And can I tell you that when you decide, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to live and I'm going to please God. I'm not going to be motivated to please people. But what you're really saying is that I've got to prepare myself for a lot of angry people. Because everybody around us wants us to live to please them. Hello? We, we get quite upset when someone's not pleasing us. Why? Well, because we're not living Zoe life. We're living Yahweh life. Go back to Matthew 6 and read that again. Stop being anxious and uneasy and, uh, about your life. I'm here today to tell you that, if, that, that God wants to take you to a place where you have such insatiable peace that the storms of life that used to keep you awake at night will no longer bother you because you will know that, no, I'm living God life and there's a spiritual law that when I do what He said, He will produce what He promised every single time. That when God declares the end at the beginning, I don't have to freak out in the middle. It might get uncomfortable. I am not suggesting that life will not come to you with great turmoil and pain. But I am telling you that when you're living God life, that none of that stuff has an impact on the end that God declared at the beginning. So you don't have to lay awake at night and wonder how God's going to do it. Because God can do it any way He wants to do it. You don't have to work your head off to earn some position with God. All you got to do is what He said. You getting it? Is this sinking into your heart that, you know what? I need to live in my true image. See, what we do is we, we have this perceived image. That's the way we think everybody sees us. So we have to start maneuvering so that people will see us the way we want them to see us. Because of, our, you know, because of, of, of who we are, we have to project an image. Because we're so uncomfortable to just live in our true image. Because if you really knew me, if you really knew about me, if you really knew the mistakes I'd made, if you really knew my weaknesses... You wouldn't like me. You wouldn't accept me. No, no. See, I am already accepted. I have been brought into the family of God by God Himself. And He's the only one. He's the only one I I live to please. The rest of that is is a circus. It's a game. It's a sideshow distraction that the enemy uses to keep you from living in your true image, which is the only place you can please God. It's the only round that you're ever going to be pleasing to God is in your true image. You've got to get out of all that other stuff. See, faith is the ability to obey regardless of the consequence. And when God speaks to you on how to live, what he's going to tell you to do is to drop 
all those other images and be you. See, when, when God sent His Son Jesus to rescue you, He didn't send Him to rescue your perceived image. How you think people see you. The you you think people know. It's, he didn't send Jesus to die on a cross for your projected image. For who you're pretending to be in public. He sent Jesus to bring life to the true you. The real you. The true you. The true you is born again. The true you is empowered with grace. The true you is dynamic in nature. It has the divine nature of Christ. The true you. So the enemy has got to get you to live anywhere but there. He's lying to you, telling you that the true you's messed up. The true you's broken. The true you's not accepted. No, the true you's the only you that is acceptable to God. So if he can push you out of there, if he can get, if he can fill your mind with what you think I'm thinking, what you think they're thinking, you're walking in the mall and you look over there's two people talking, they laugh, they look at you, and they go in the store and you go, they were laughing at me. They don't even know you. They're just going to the mall. If if the enemy can get you to live anywhere except in your true identity, you're already defeated. You can't please God there. We're an easy target. We're an easy target. Because our minds have been trained to think about what others are thinking. I'm not telling you that you should go through life and just, you know, not care about other people. But I am telling you that there's got to come a place where you no longer care in the sense of you're allowing what you think somebody else thinks to dictate your decisions because you can't serve two masters. Well, well, I'm not trying to serve. Yeah, yeah, we are. We've got to position ourselves in some place in a position of real health where we're not mean, but the fact of the matter is is that there just are not enough words in the English dictionary to describe to you how much. I don't care what other people think, what other people say, what, what other people want. I've got to live to please God. I have got to please God. I've got, I'm trying to train myself. You know, right now, Shelby and I are just in such, a, such an incredible place in our life where the, the voices, of, and they're, they're, they're wisdom voices and great, you know, uh, ministries. Well, think about it. You know, um, last week, you know, Tony Cook, 18 and a half years as the dean of Verema, you know, has 2,600 ministers under him. We spent the weekend with him speaking into our lives. On Monday, we're in Seattle with Pastor Sharkey and Tony and 45 other pastors. We're sitting there, and, and all of these voices speaking into our lives. On Thursday, I'm on the telephone with a dozen other pastors, and, and the guy that's leading the conversation pastors a church of over 17,000 people every weekend. And these voices are speaking into our life, and God's been tapping me on the shoulder and saying, just make sure that you listen, but you respond to my voice. I'm bringing you insight. I'm bringing you revelation. I'm going to show you ideas. I'm going to stretch your mind. But make sure that you don't do anything unless you hear me say it. 
Don't you, don't you start doing stuff because you heard somebody say, no, you listen to what I say. And, you know, for a month and a half, God's been preparing us. Don't do anything about anything until I tell you to do it. Bring everything to me and talk to me. And i got to tell you something. You know what's been funny about that? Is that the more I get into that, the madder you people get. <laughs> Serious. And it'd be, we begin to find out that, that people are expecting you to respond to what they want. I got, I, I got to get over here and I got, I got to realize that, you know what? Faith is the economy of the kingdom of God. Obeying God. That's the economy of the kingdom of God. Worry, fear, that's the economy of mammon. The kingdom of mammon. Anytime you go study mammon and, and, and that mentality, you're going to find out the care, worry, anxiety, it's all tied into that. It's any voice that's trying to rob your attention to God's voice. Any voice. And when we're upset and we're, and we're angry and when we're hurting, and why? Because, well, just remember this, that, that cares and need are the evil twins. They run together. See, if you didn't have this need, you wouldn't have this crazy care. You wouldn't care because you already had whatever it was that was meeting that need. So if you have a significance issue, you need, you know, approval. You, you need acknowledgement. You need... Well, see, the problem, the, the problem is not that people around you aren't recognizing you. The problem is, is that you've not gone to God, who my God shall supply all... My needs. And since you haven't gone to God with that, the enemy sees that need. So he starts poking that so that you'll listen to that. And now you're out here trying to get men to do what God could do for you. He's the only one that can really meet that need. And then you get angry and frustrated and hurt. Wait a minute. Now everybody in the world is supposed to be meeting your need. God wants to make you whole. We taught our boys. I gotta, I gotta keep moving here. But we taught our boys when they were very little. Right after we'd spanked them, I'd turn them around, have them look me in the eye. You know, when we were, when we were training them to not do the wrong thing, right? You know, the Bible says, "Spoil or, or you know, spare the rod, spoil the child." That's going to keep my kids fresh. And uh, uh, but right after, right after we we would do the training, we turn and we'd have them look look me in the eyes. Now say this with me: I obey, so it goes well with me. I obey, so it goes well with me. It's Bible, guys. The Bible says, "Hear and do, and it shall go well with you." Here and it doesn't say that it's going to be really easy, but it just says it's going to turn out well. When you walk in obedience, it's going to turn out well. The end is going to be exactly what God promised at the beginning. If you just obey, it's the end. It's going to be fine. It's going to be good. It's going to, it's going to come out. You're going, to, you're going to do fine. It's going to be hard. Good things are always hard. It's going to be challenging. You know what? Anything we're celebrating is going to have some challenge in it. But when I obey... Life goes well. Isn't it true that every time you obey God, eventually the end, you know, if you hang on to the end, you get exactly what he promised at the beginning. 
So when I obey, when I obey, it goes well. When we obey, it goes well. When we obey, it goes well. When we obey, it goes well. Say it. When we obey, it goes well. Say it. When we obey, it goes well. So how come every time it's not going well, you think it's somebody else's fault? How come when life is disrupted, you think it has something to do with somebody else? No, when I obey, things go well for me. What's going on in your world doesn't impact mine. As far as the production of God's promise. Right? You're not Lord of my life. He is. I'm not the Lord of your life. He is. You're not, you're not going to get bracelets today on the, on the way out that say WWTD. What would Tommy do? No, man. We want to turn our face towards God and say, okay, God. I want to pray that I might understand your will so I can cheerfully please you in every situation. I want to walk in obedience because I'm going to tell you something. Once, once you realize what pleases God, you know what pleases God? The prosperity of His servant. You know what pleases God? The connection of health and wealth and increase to your life. God's plan is to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope, to give you future. God, what's going to please God? Trust me. What's going to please God? It's going to be pretty pleasing to you too. What would please God if you're laying in a, in a deathbed, on the deathbed? What would please God? That you rise up and walk. What would please God if you're going through a financial storm that the abundance of God and the provision of God would be manifest for the glory of God? What would please God if you're in a relational storm that there would be peaceful habitation, secure dwelling, a quiet resting place? All the things that please God. I want what pleases God. You want what pleases God. So how must we get it? Simply obey God. We just simply obey God. There are all kinds of scriptures that we can get into. You know, Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart. You know, protect your heart. Matter of fact, let's look at Proverbs 4. We'll just close with this thought. Proverbs 4 in the message, right? Keep vigilant watch over your heart. Why? Because that's where life starts. You're going to make the decision. Am I living Zoe or Yoe in your heart? So you've got to guard your heart. Watch your heart. Next scripture. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Come on now. Knock it off. I believe God. I'm really worried. I walk in divine health. I don't feel very good. Right? Stop talking out of both sides of your mouth. Make a decision today. I'm going to line up with the Word of God. Don't avoid careless banter. White lies. What's white lie? How do we know if it's a white lie? Does it line up with the Word of God? I said, does it line up with the truth? If it's in agreement with the truth, keep saying it. If it's not, you better knock it off. Stop the gossip. You know what gossip is? Talking to people who do not have the power to do anything about what you're talking about. Let me say that again. Gossip is speaking to someone about something that has no power to do anything about that what you're talking about. So if you're talking to your neighbor about the guy across the street, that's gossip. Because the guy across the street is not in charge of, you know, or your neighbor is not in charge of the guy across the street. You know, if you got a problem with me and you talk to Todd about it, I'm just seeking counsel. Liar, you're gossiping. Because Todd is not charging me. Ha, ha, ha. Okay. Next one. <laughs> you know, well, this gossip thing, we talk to a lot of people who can't change anything. In other words, who should we be talking to? 
God. You should just be going to God with everything. Instead of talking to each other about stupid stuff that you can't change. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. Most of the stuff that, 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 that you get all excited about ten days from now, you won't even remember what it was. It's just sideshow distraction. Watch your step. You know, this is so vital to me. This is really what God's been talking to me about. Watch your step. Don't take a step because you think you've taken it before. No, watch your step. Make sure you're stepping out on my word. Make sure, you know, that you are fresh in your revelation of what God wants you to do. Not going from memory. They're having a fresh revelation. You know, they got manna. They, they collected up the manna every day. Every day they got a fresh word. Every day. Don't, 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 don't reach back three years ago to scriptures that, that, you, that you've had. You're going to carry them with you, but make sure it's fresh today. Watch your step. And the road will stretch out smooth before you. Sounds like another scripture. There will be a word behind thee saying, this is the way you walk in it when you turn to the left or the right. You know, look at this next one. This is great. Don't look to the right or the left. Leave evil in the dust. Just leave evil in the dust. Just, just move into the future with God life. Step out of that old way of thinking, that old way of believing, that old way of living. Don't be dictated and controlled by fear and anxiety and worry. Get up above that stuff. Climb up in the airplane of grace. Tap into the fuel of faith. And let's fly under a higher law than the law that's trying to keep you down here on the ground where everybody else is living. The life Jesus has called us to. It is not a normal, ordinary, mundane existence. But it is God life. It is better. Better, beyond description, exceeding the common measure. It's a wonderful life. Amen? Close your book. Let me pray for you.